Hello there and welcome to the Good Old Days of Radio show. It's Thursday. This is John Tefteller, your host. We are um, not nearing, but getting in the final third of our series of 10 great radio horror shows. The one for today, which I teased a little bit of last week, is an episode of Quiet Please called Let the Lilies Consider. I first heard this probably 40 years ago. And I must confess, it was a freaky show. And I thought it was one of the most well-written, entertaining horror radio shows I had ever heard. And it set me out on a quest to continue to find as many Quiet Please radio shows as I possibly could. It was this one and Thing on the Floorboard Board, which is the most famous one from Quiet Please. But it was this one and that one that cemented my love for this series and... Um, Still trying to find them, but they're very, very, very hard to find. Whatever we have, we have. Uh, Jerry Hendigas found a new one last year, um, Incident at Ticonderoga, I believe is the title. And that's the first new one to show up in quite some time. Uh, but this is a classic. This is one of those shows where if you pay careful attention, you might see where it's going towards the end. Um, and also pay careful attention to this because, and I'll bring this up after we hear it, it is my opinion, and it's only an opinion, I have nothing to base this on, but it is my opinion that the uh, modern-day horror writer Stephen King was very probably a listener as a young boy to the Quiet Please series because there is something about one of his stories, which we'll talk about at the end, that very much coincides uh, with this story. So here we go. Let the lilies consider. The transcribed program to follow replaces Roger Kilgore, usually heard at this time. Roger Kilgore, public defender, is heard Tuesday evenings at 7. Quiet, please. Quiet, please. Broadcasting System presents Quiet, Please, which is written and directed by Willis Cooper and which features Ernest Chappell. Quiet, Please, for tonight is called Let the Lilies Consider. Yes, I quite understand. I quite understand. Well, your stenographer is taking down everything I say. You and you are witnesses. When the stenographer transcribes his notes, I'm to sign them and and that is my confession, is that right? And whatever I say may be used against me, is, is that right? Oh, I'll sign them all right. Where do you want me to start? At the beginning, I suppose. All right. For your record, my name is James R. James. <laughs> Roderick. 41, third-generation American college graduate. UCLA, University of California, Los Angeles. No occupation. No, not unemployed. No occupation. Well, I have a small but adequate income. You have my address. 
I was married and... Oh, uh, Gretchen. Gretchen McMonnies. Yes, Gretchen is a diminutive of Margaret. Margaret McMonnies. An orphan. Where's your wife now, James? Please don't try to trap me, Lieutenant. I've told you at least 20 times where she is. Tell me again. Right there. There. Look, James, we've dug that place up twice now. Your wife isn't there. Where is she? I've told what you. What did you do with her? I didn't do anything with her, Lieutenant. I've told you that. All right. Go on. I met her at school in 1930. Did you bury her in the flower bed there? May I go on? Answer my question. Did you bury her? No, I did not. Then why do you keep saying she's there? Because you killed her. No. Well, she's dead. What killed her? I've told you she isn't dead. You can't prove it, James. I can prove it, Lieutenant, but you won't believe it. Why don't you prove it, then? Shall I go on with my statement? Did you plant that lily there to mark her grave, James? I didn't plant that lily. How come it grows there? How come it's so much bigger than the others? Answer me. There were other lilies there alongside it before you and your men dug them up? James, I think I know why that lily is bigger than the others. You do? Yes, and so do you. You're wrong, Lieutenant. You know why we left that lily standing, James, when we dug up the others? Yes. Because we know what's under it there. Because we figured the lily would remind you, would keep you thinking about your wife buried there. Because we hoped it might lead you to a confession. It won't, Lieutenant. You know... I have an idea that that lily there is going to hang you, James. No, it isn't. That lily loves me. Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. What are you talking about? We consider the lilies, and some of us love them. Do you suppose the lilies consider us and sometimes return our love? I don't think you'll get by with an insanity plea, James. I don't know very much about flowers. I don't know anything about them from the standpoint of books. I'm not interested in stamens and pistils and the anatomy of flowers. Well, I'm interested in their souls, in their... Yes, in their souls. I believe flowers love and hate just as people do. Shall we get along with your statement? Yes. They love us and, and hate us in the proportions of the love or the hate we have for them. I said I've always loved flowers. My wife, Gretchen, she hated them. And they love me. Gretchen. You know, James... I declare I think flowers don't like me at all. I can't do a thing with them. <laughs> You'll learn. I I'll show you how to handle them. I don't think I want to handle them. James, must we have so many flowers? Why? I like them, dear. But so many of them. Well, I haven't anything else to do but raise flowers. I know. That's, that's what bothers me. I don't like to see you wasting all your time puttering around flower beds every single hour. Goodness, I think it's just kind of wicked, James, when there's so many other things you could be doing. Aren't you happy? Of course I'm happy, but I could be happier if I didn't have to compete with a lot of silly flowers. Well, I don't think they're silly. Besides, there's so many lilies. Well, they're so beautiful. They're so depressing. I love them. That's what bothers me, James. Why? Well, I'm... I'm jealous of them, James. Gretchen. James... 
You do love me more than you love the flowers, don't you? Isn't that a pretty foolish question? James? What? Look. Look at the lilies. Well, what do you... Look at them. They're listening. They're waiting to hear what you say. And I looked. And I tell you, there was a silence in the garden there that, that you could almost hear. And the lilies around us were leaning forward, leaning toward us as we stood there. And there was an attitude of expectancy about them as their graceful stems bent toward us, trembling. They were listening. And suddenly Gretchen broke from my arms and ran sobbing into the house, trampling their beautiful, delicate bodies underfoot as she ran. No, I, I didn't follow her. I stood for a long time in the twilight, considering these lilies of the field. And they watched me, considering me in silence as I lifted up the murdered flowers from the marks of Gretchen's shoes in the soil and wept a moment for them. And I never did answer Gretchen's question. I could have answered it, but she never asked me again. Perhaps she thought she knew the answer. So that's why you killed her. Because you thought more of the flowers than you did of her. I didn't kill her. Go on. I did love Gretchen. I love her now more than I ever did. It sounds as if you did. We were very happy for a long time that winter. There are no flowers in the winter, and she had no cause to feel neglected. It was very pleasant here in the house. But the spring came, and the buds appeared on the trees. And one day, she brought up the subject again. James, what about the flowers this year? I'm going to start in the gardens tomorrow. I wish... Wish what, darling? Do we have to have the flowers again? We don't have to have them, but I want them. It's been so nice all winter without them. I've missed them. I'd hoped you'd maybe forgotten them, James. Forgotten them? Why, darling, I, I don't believe I could live without them. If they all died, what would you do? I don't know. Would you die? What are you talking about, Gretchen? I'm being very foolish and very silly, James, but I don't want the flowers. I hate flowers. Now, dear. I hate them. You mustn't say that, Gretchen. They'll hate you. That's just what's the matter. You've let those flowers become an obsession with you. You've begun to feel that they're alive, that they have feelings. You're letting these things take you away from me, and I won't have it. Gretchen, you're being... I said I was being silly. I know I am. But it's the truth just the same. Oh, we could do so many things this summer. Go to so many places. But I don't want to go places, Gretchen. You did before you went so crazy over flowers. Over those horrible lilies. Darling, they're so beautiful. You used to say I was beautiful. Well, you are. But not as beautiful as the lilies. Am I? Why, dear, you're, you're like a lily yourself. Your skin is so white. Your yellow hair. And that green dress. Don't you compare me with one of those things. Do you hear me? I'm not like a flower. I'll never be like a flower. Dear, please, don't... James, do you know what I think? Sometimes I think there's something wrong with your mind. Sometimes I think you're a little crazy. Do you realize that I'm your wife, do you? Or do you think you're married to those flowers? I won't have it. You've got to choose between those dreadful flowers and me. (laughs) 
I wondered if my mind was all right. There's nothing wrong with loving flowers, is there? Almost everyone loves them. But for my wife to be jealous of them, I wondered for a moment whether it was my mind or, or hers. Yes, I did spend too much time in the gardens, I thought. And I resolved manfully to change my way, to devote only a few hours a day to cultivation and admiration of my precious lilies. I would compromise. I would try to follow my wife's wishes, try to remember her first, instead of the flowers. I reckoned without the flowers. I planted only half as many this year. And Gretchen watched sullenly from the house. They came up eagerly. And I could have sworn that there were twice as many as I planted. Gretchen wouldn't speak to me for days at a time. And mornings when I awoke, I would sometimes find her staring out the window at the lushness of the garden. And in her eyes, I saw a look of awful hatred. It was her attitude, I suppose, that, that led me to spend more and more time in the garden. And the flowers rewarded me. They were more beautiful, more gracious, more abundant than I've ever seen them. And they returned the loving care I gave them. They poured out their love for me in waves of scent. And their leaves caressed my hands as I bent over them. And as I labored among them, they, they bent their perfect heads to brush against my cheek. And for long hours, I could forget Gretchen, my wife until a rustle among the lilies caused me to look up and see my wife standing in a window in the house, gazing out hatefully at us. And the lilies and I looked back at her with something of fear in our hearts. And the garden grew and flourished beyond my fondest hopes. Slowly, I came to the realization that my garden of lilies was increasing in size. That there were hundreds more than I'd set out in the spring. And I smiled on them happily. And the lilies smiled back at me. The lilies loved me. But there was a summer night and a full moon. And I sat on the porch alone and dreamed of... What did I dream of? There was a voice. A murmurous voice above the little breeze in the garden. And the voice was without words. And yet it was the voice of a loved one. Of a lover. And it spoke to me sadly. Caressingly. In sounds that did not need the form of words. And I sat there, alone in the darkness, and listened. And at last the words came. James! I love you. Oh! Why, why, Gretchen! James, I can't stand it any longer. Why, what's the matter, Gretchen? I told you a long time ago that you've got to choose between me and those flowers. Now, dear, I... I'm not going to live in this house like a prisoner any longer. Those flowers are driving me mad. I never see you from morning till night. You've forgotten all about me. I, I don't mean a thing to you. Well, that's not true, Gretchen. I, I do love you. But you love those... those flowers more. Gretchen, I... Well? 
I love you. Then what are you going to do about it? What shall I do? Do you want the flowers or do you want me? I... I... Choose, James. Gretchen. I can't. I can't! And Gretchen turned away without another word and went into the house. I could not move. The chanting in my ears had become a hypnotic lullaby now. And my eyes closed, and I think I slept. And then suddenly I was awakened by Gretchen's shrill laughter somewhere and the flaring of a brilliant light. And the garden was a sheet of flame. Among the lilies, Gretchen dashed with a great torch she'd fashioned of a broom soaked with kerosene. And the noble, tall lilies withered in its blast as she thrust it in their faces. And above the crackling of the flames above her hysterical laughter, I could hear the keening of strange lost voices, and I could make out words above the sound of the catastrophe that my wife had begun, and they were sad beyond belief. And I roused myself and ran to the garden, but I was too late. Like some avenging demon, my wife stood triumphant amidst the scorched and blistered dying flowers, and she laughed again. And now she thought she'd won. And there were no more flowers to be jealous of. And when the sun rose in the morning, I went sadly out of the house to contemplate the miserable remains of my loved ones. It was as if nothing had happened in that dreadful night. The lilies that I had last seen smoldering in the moonlight had raised their smiling heads again, and there was no sign of fire about them. And listen to this, you who refuse to believe that flowers, too, live and reason and love. There were thousands more lilies now than had been the night before. They had burst the bounds of the garden, and they extended halfway across the graveled walk that bordered the garden. And from the house came the despairing sobbing of the woman who had tried desperately to destroy the flowers that loved me. I had feared for my wife's sanity. Now I feared for my own. It was hours before she could do more than weep. At last she spoke to me. James. I'm going to leave here. No, Gretchen. I've got to. I didn't believe, but... Uh, I won't let you go. You don't love me. Why should I stay? They've won. They'll never forgive me. They'll kill me. No. James, I want you to listen to me. I love you. I'll always love you. I... I love you, Gretchen. But you love the flowers more than you do me. I... No. No, I don't. You don't mean that. I... I do mean it. 
But it's no use. They love you, James. They're going to have you. I tried to destroy them, and they can't be destroyed. If I don't get away from here... Oh, I can't let you go, Gretchen. I love you, James. Stay. What if I do stay? I'll die. They'll have you. No. They hate me. Gretchen. They love you. What can I do? Well, I don't know, but... You can't fight them. You won't fight them. I know. I, I can't fight them. They love me. And I love you, James. It's too late now to choose. I won't let them have you. I love you. Look at the window. I looked at the window. Outside stood another lily. There had been none there before this morning. There it stood. And as I raised my head, I could see more and more of them all the way across the lawn, overflowing the garden walls. Thousands of them, each with its flower cup, turned toward the house, each one listening. And I turned back to Gretchen, miserable and afraid. She'd risen from the bed and was standing before her dresser. Gretchen, I called, for I knew what was in the second drawer of that dresser. There's no other way, James. Put it down, Gretchen. We'll think of a way. There's no other way. I don't know how this has happened, but I believe now. I believe they love you, James, and they hate me. Gretchen, no. Put it down. No, James. This is the way out. It's the only way out. I won't let them have you. I won't give you up. And she raised the pistol until it pointed straight at my heart. And I said once more, No, Gretchen. It has to be this way, James. And then I'll go out and give myself up to them. Darling, I love you. I must have lain there for a long, long time. At last, my eyes opened. And it was dusk again, and I struggled to rise. My side pained horribly. And it was a long time before I could reconstruct what had happened. And I lay there thinking and wondering what had happened to Gretchen. Was I to die here alone? Was she dead, too? And then I heard the voice again. Gretchen. You will not die. Gretchen has not died. We love you. We want you to be happy. You love Gretchen. Gretchen lives. Gretchen loves you. And I drifted away again into the gathering darkness with a voice love still you. ringing in my love ears. Love you. Love you. story, James. Yes. You didn't tell us before that you'd been shot. Here's the scar. Mm, yeah. What became of your wife? That's a remarkably beautiful lily there, uh, the big one. Uh, the one you couldn't remove when you were digging. Well? Gretchen was gold and white like a lily. Gretchen's green dress was the color of leaves. What are you trying to tell me, James? Do you... Do you see something on the stem of that lily, Lieutenant? Where? Uh, uh, just below the flower. Let me see. It's a ring. Our wedding ring. 
How'd it get there? Gretchen? What? I... I told you she was here with us. Darling? Love you. Love you. Love you. I didn't get it signed, Chief. There wasn't anybody there to sign it. I'm telling you. I heard the voice myself. It kept saying, love you, love you, love you. That's right. We looked around to see where it was coming from, and when we turned around again, James was gone. I don't know. All I know is there were two lilies there now, close together, great big ones. And they, uh... They looked as if they had their arms around each other. Quiet Please for tonight was called Let the Lilies Consider... It was written and directed by Willis Cooper. James, the man who spoke to you, was Ernest Chappell. And Kathleen Cordell played Gretchen. The voice of the Lilies was Peggy Stanley, and James Bowles was the police lieutenant. As usual, music for Quiet Please is played by Albert Berman. Now, for a word about next week, here is our writer-director, Willis Cooper. Of course, you will never meet any of the characters in tonight's story. They didn't exist before I thought them up, and they're not imitations of anybody. Next week, Quiet Please story will be called Vahini Taiti. And so, until next week at this time, I am quietly yours, Ernest Chappell. Quiet Please comes to you from New York and was transcribed earlier from Eastern Mutual for this presentation. This is the Mutual Don Lee Broadcasting System. Now, that is a master class in fantasy writing. That show will be forever looked upon as a, a classic of the genre. I notice at the very end there, you hear somebody kind of laughing. I mean, I, I think these guys were so kind of amused at Willis Cooper's stories that even the actors and the announcer were kind of chuckling as they, as they went off the air there because it's such interesting writing. Uh, flowers that live, reason, and love. Okay, that's a simple concept. Um, I made reference to um, a Johnny Depp film and Stephen King earlier. Uh, those of you who have seen the movie Secret Window starring Johnny Depp, which came out about, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago. Um, it's based on a story by Stephen King. And if you go back to that film again or remember it, uh, remember the ending of it and then think of the ending of this. Uh, now, I have no proof whatsoever that Stephen King ever heard this show. I looked up while we were listening to it, and he's 75 years old as of today, 
and uh, he would have been a year old when this show originally broadcast, so I don't believe it's possible that he would have heard it at a year old, but this show has been circulating among old-time radio collectors for decades, and it is very possible that Mr. King heard this at some point and uh, adapted a little bit of his story, Secret Window, uh, to this uh, Willis Cooper story. If anybody is aware out there in the audience for the good old days of radio show of how we could contact Stephen King. I think it would be really cool to have him come on this podcast and um, play a few of his favorite vintage radio shows. I'm sure that he has some. Wouldn't be surprised, as I said, if this isn't one of them. Uh, but I think it would be really cool to have the current master of horror join us for some vintage horror. So if anybody knows how to do that, send me a private message. Send me an email to john at tefteller.com. Comment on Facebook how we can get a hold of you. Do whatever. But if any of you have any connections to get to Stephen King, I would like to invite him to appear on this podcast. All right. So there you go. That's Quiet Please Let the Lilies Consider from June 28th, 1948, one of my all-time top 10 favorite horror shows. I hope you liked it. Back Thursday of next week with an episode of Escape called Confession as we come near the conclusion of the 10 great radio horror show series that we're working on now. So until then, check out our Facebook page, Good Old Days of Radio Show. Check out the website, Good Old Days of Radio. And uh, any questions you may have or want to communicate with us, tell all your friends to listen to this podcast. Refer them, refer them, and refer them again until they, until they do it. Because once they do it, they'll get hooked. And that's the idea. Okay. All right. John Tefteller here. See you next week. Bye.